And then anything else is new? I mean, we just we can we can update them, but without giving anything away. You know what I mean? A little smart yeah. and all. What up? What up? A little. Huh? Huh? How's your neighbor? How's your neighbor? Boing, 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 boing. Surprise! But to know to know too much. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, presented by Cinema Summit. A podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 20 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Trevor L. Nelson. And I'm Alex Dark, and today we're going to be talking about things that can get you in trouble when delivering your film to distributors. But first... But first... What are we drinking? We're still on this Kona. We're Gosh, still on the Kona from Alex's wedding. We asking until we're done with no, it. No, we gotta, we gotta, you know, it's just, it's a, it makes it so that we are, have a goal to get rid of it. That's true. Um, and that's, um. Well, maybe we should just like switch it up one of these days, bring in some fresh ice that doesn't taste like Freon and make a mixed drink. You know what? Let's do that next time, next Tuesday. And, um, I'll bring it in my, um, my little, uh. Hydro flask. There we go. Me too. I'll do that. I'll do that. Um, I but, like that uh, idea. Yes. We're, so what's new, Alex? What is new with us? Um, well, we went to Vegas last weekend. Road trip, as you know, because you listen to the podcast. Yeah, they should have. If not, what are you guys doing here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming. <sighs> we promise we'll be really interesting. Yeah. So um, that was fun. Road trip. Uh, our wives flew, flew out yeah. the the next day. And then it got a little less fun. Yeah, and then, exactly. Jeez. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but so we went for the main reason to see Zeph's uh, film premiere at the Action on Film Festival. And it was fantastic. It was, it was great to see it on the big screen. Very well received. Yep. And actually... Give um, it up. What? Did, give it up for Zeph. Give it up for Zeph because he won Best Director. Say what? 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 Are you kidding me? And they won Best Cinematography, and they were nominated for like a whole slew of things, which yep. is awesome. So yeah. congrats, congrats Zeph. to them. Congrats. Uh, then we also uh, Alex's friend gave us a hookup. We went to a little Red Foo concert. We did at the Bellagio. Red Foo from LMFAO, and he killed Party it. Rockin'. And he killed it, and it was awesome, and it was so much fun. It was great fun. Um, I, uh, thanks, Ben. Yeah. For thanks, letting ben. us crash your table. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, and, Brandon. And thanks, Chad. And thanks, Chad. Thanks, Chad. Happy birthday, Chad. Happy birthday, Chad. Never met you. Uh, don't really know what you do, but, you know, happy birthday. Yeah. Thanks uh, Thanks for the uh, the love. Fun birthday party. I don't know if you directly invited us, but uh, you came around, you know, you shook our hands, you poured some booze in your mouth, you poured it in our mouth. It was all a good time. Yeah. And Chad, at the end of the night, seemed like he had himself a great time, so... Happy birthday, Chad. Happy birthday. Uh, this update is on here because Alex is a tool. Um, I have the old school bandage on, like you see in the cartoons, the old timey movies. Yeah, like someone who has a toothache. Somebody has a toothache. Um, you know, I got a little uh, little weird little mole on top of my head. They took it out to be cautious of the old, you know, melanoma. And so now I have a big old, like, scar. And they, you know, they yeah. sutured me up. And I'm, I'm all, like, I was, we, we walked, we got food today. I saw all eyes on me at all times. Yeah. Um, well, it's also because he's wearing a hat to cover it up. But, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, it's also to cover up, like, the seven layers of gauze that are on top of my head. So it doesn't look like I just have a growth <laughs> on the top of my head as well. Um, <laughs> we should post a photo in the uh 
in the uh, show notes. In the show notes of me just sitting at the mic drinking beer <laughs> while the uh, why the gauze is the yeah you know they said that oh you know these usually fall off the day um, the day of nobody can ever keep these on guess what I was able to keep it on I got to keep it on for another day uh, fantastic then we have nice. a, probably have a bald spot on top of my head who knows I don't know hey. It's going to be a, a, a fun mystery yeah. when you unwrap it like a Christmas present. Yeah, my wife will be happy because I'll probably have to grow my hair out just to cover it up. So we'll see. Nice. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Um, and we uh, we would love to update you on this big project we're working on, but we can't tell you about it. Uh, we don't want to reveal it too soon, but let, we'll just let you know what's new with us is we are grinding at it. Yeah, Woo! we are. You guys wouldn't even know how hard we're grinding at it because we haven't told you a thing about it. I know, but we will be very shortly. Yeah. So... We hope Keep your you eyes guys... peeled and ears also peeled. <laughs> Peel those ears. Um, your ear balls. There you go. Dude, what up, man? At, beautiful, beautiful promo for it. Fantastic. Yep, thanks. Keep everything peeled for it because it's coming to your faces. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that'll, that'll do with what is new with us. Not too much since, you know, last week was spent mostly from Thursday to Sunday in Vegas. Yeah. And we updated him what's new on the way to Vegas. So... Um, yeah, not much else there. Yep. Uh, so we're just going to sit back and drink while Alex talks about distribution because he worked in that field. <laughs> I did. JK, I know so, a little bit. Yes, just, indeed. Just a smidge. Uh, okay, Alex. So um, you got your film done. Yep. Um, but you know, we should done. step back. In the can. In the can. We should step back because you should think about this stuff while, you know, Way pre-production, before. production, before you even get to post-production because some of these things require you to do a little extra work during production to yes. get ready for distribution. So when you were working in the field and yep. when we were working on the low budget, when we were producing the low budget feature, yep. um, what were some big red flags you saw either that people hadn't done or some surprises that when we were working with a distributor for the um, feature that we produced that came out and you were like, oh, I didn't know we needed to do this. And I should say, yeah. you weren't, were you working at the distribution company when we were working on that film? Um, so I was working at, on, I was working at a theatrical distribution company when I made the first film, Seer. Second film, The Daughter, I think I was in transition to the international sales agency. So I was kind okay. of like in transition. There. So would you say that there were some things on The Daughter that you were surprised we needed or had you already been well-versed and were like, oh yeah, we need that and just didn't tell anybody? <laughs> I was I was surprised about a few things, mostly okay. because um, the requirements are different, mm-hmm. and well, also I didn't deal with deliverables as much when I was at the theatrical company because I mostly did uh, acquisitions. Ah. So I was just kind of like seeking out films and watching them, and like meeting with producers mm-hmm. and stuff, and trying to get good projects in the company. Mm-hmm. But when I worked for the international sales agency one of my tasks was to was fulfillment for the distributor so basically i had to hound the producers to get all their stuff you know together (laughs) is a task all on its own yeah that was my least favorite part of the job was doing the fulfillment aspects producers are already kind of ornery on their own without anyone else's help, but when you have to hit them up and say, where's this and where's that? And they, you know, cause sometimes producers move on to the next project, but if you have to hit them up and say, where's this, where's that? They might sometimes be like, I don't care. Like, yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah. I was kind of surprised at how much that happened where 
you know, one of the one of the big things that literally every movie that I got my hands you gotta on. See his hands, guys. His hands are making every. Big, yeah. He's movie. emphasizing big movie with his hands, which you can't see. One day, one day we'll probably turn this podcast into a video podcast as well. A vodcast. A vodcast. Because we also drink a lot of vodka. It's true. <laughs> so Man. vodka. I like that vodka. I like that too. Yeah, good job. Trademark it. Um, um, the biggest thing that every single movie did was forget to, to give us and or take high resolution stills. And I'm not talking about behind the scenes stills. I'm talking about normally what you do is you have like an onset photographer who's like behind the camera kind of matching the shot mm-hmm. and taking high resolution stills of the shot yeah. for promotional purposes. So those are the photos that end up on the DVD covers and in the uh, the key art and on like yeah. the billboards and stuff. And so, you know, really important stuff, like the stuff that's like selling your movie, you know, to and they always forgot that. And they most of the time didn't even take them. Yeah. Um, I mean, explain it to a little bit better how you, how you do take these photos, because a lot of people will think, oh, it's just like people like talking to the actors and all that behind the scenes. But no, no. no. Like there, there is that too, and the photographer does both mm-hmm. most of the time. Like you would, ha- you would hire an actual professional photographer, mm-hmm. and they would take both behind the scenes and production stills. Mm-hmm. And for the production stills, I mean, and they also they would have big blimps on their camera, so you can't hear the shutter, and so yep. they can be taken uh, snapping photos during like rehearsals. Sniggity snap silently. Yeah, exactly. So um, they usually shoot during rehearsals and stuff like that. So. They can get the action and uh, not really disrupt the flow of the actual production, but and so what? You, what I've noticed as well, just to jump in on what you said, is that people will think that oh, well, what I can do is I can just do screen grabs from my footage, and no, no, it's not ideal. Not ideal. It's it's way better now that you know you're yeah, shooting four K, shooting at four K and all that. But still, when I was don't rely when on I that. was there. Like HD was the max, yeah. That you could do, you know, you couldn't pull. And cameras, cameras would shoot better than that. Still, cameras would shoot better. Yeah, exactly. And still, cameras still shoot better than uh, 4K. Mm-hmm. So get somebody on. Get somebody. If you're gonna have somebody, well, you need somebody behind the scenes. If you're thinking about distribution, this isn't just a passion project that you're like whatever. You're gonna have. You're gonna want to get distribution. Then you're gonna you're gonna want to bring somebody on set anyway to do behind the scenes foot. Uh, imagery Skills, and all that yeah. so might as well get them to do hd or not even hd high quality still images and another thing that um you know when we go into no budget filmmaking because what i was just thinking here i had a little brain fart but uh, a lot of the a lot of uh, production companies or marketers what they do is because they have a little bit higher budget they will do promotional shoots after the fact or before the fact. And in some cases, we knew somebody who was a stand-in for this. They won't even use the actors right. for it. Um, they will use uh, body doubles that have the same body type, and then they will Photoshop the actor's face on it if it's needed. Yes, that actually yeah. happens quite a, quite well, a lot. Also, but that's only if you have the budget for it. Yeah, and I would actually recommend one thing would be to have the photographer bring on just like a portable little white backdrop or something. And if you can just set up a a few lights just off in the corner and whenever actors are in costume and like not, 
you know, preparing for a scene, whenever it's not, you know, invasive to whatever their process is, yeah. and you can pull them to the side and say, hey, will you do like a pose here, like an action pose or like whatever, the, you know, whatever the theme and like mood of the, the movie is and have them pose in that way and snap a bunch of promo shots that you can yeah. then use for the main marketing materials. I mean, that would be just like a huge, huge help if you could do that. I would say that you're probably going to be, it's probably going to be cheaper to get a behind the scenes like a main photographer with an assistant that can go pull the actors aside, you know, when they're like on a break or when they, you know, yeah. are doing something else and they don't have to be in the scene and shoot that, then it will be to go and try and do this all later. Bring the actors back. Bring the for actors an extra back. Day. Yeah, extra day. You have to pay them. Uh, you're you're going to end up paying less if you just have the uh, photographer bring someone on to do those kind of shots during downtime. Way way better idea. Um, and so you got to remember that. The when you put out a DVD, even if you put out you know a VOD that doesn't have a physical DVD, you need these kind of things. Yeah, because you, if if you look at, uh, I mean, just even the the key art that comes up has the stills in it. Yep. But then a lot of different uh, VOD and transactional places have actual behind like you know little stills in their mm. little description yep. details section of the thing. Yep, and I mean, yeah. IMDb loves photos. <laughs> and, yeah, and plus, I mean, the thing that you don't realize is a lot of people, I think, I mean, I, I don't know what everyone's thinking, obviously, but I feel like a lot of filmmakers think that they're going to make their poster, Ugh. hand it over, and that's going to be like what they use. Yeah. And yeah, maybe mm. sometimes, but if you'll notice, like, promotional materials come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, so like... Yeah. They'll need to make new things for like banner ads or like, you know, back. Like if you look at, um, not that, you know, every movie is going to need this, but if you look at like when a movie takes over like IMDb and it's like the entire background of IMDb yeah. is like a, a poster for a movie. It's like those yeah. are custom, custom ads made specifically for those purposes. And yeah. so you need the fo the different photos so that you can like have it fit the right shapes and sizes and like you can rearrange things and add it you know make all these different advertisements well not even that but if you think about the daughter it was i don't know why the reason behind it you know i'm not one to say but um when it was released in japan it was called three days and they totally changed the marketing about it because they wanted to make it a more action film right and um they used the key art that was made to kind of fudge the poster yeah, and you know it looked good. It didn't look great, but it could have looked much worse if they didn't have the key art for them to do. And you say, well, well, I don't want them to do that to the movie. Well, if you're thinking about distribution, you want them to do whatever they want with the movie that you think is going to sell it in another country. Yeah, because the you know what sells in different countries is different from yeah. a country to country basis. Can't lock it and down. That's why you you know you want to have the option for that kind of uh, customization. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, we were, oh man, I can't believe how long we talked about, you know, photos. Oh yeah. It's been a, it's been a whopping five minutes. That's more than I thought we would. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, just take some pictures and move on. Um, but I think you also got to think about your trailer. Um, and you know, uh, sometimes people shoot a little extra stuff for the trailer, you know, uh, now I'm not saying that they shoot extra stuff put in the trailer and then it's not in the movie and you hate it. Sometimes the stuff that they put in the trailer was cut from the movie. Right. But other times you can shoot a little extra for the trailer to kind of boost it up. You remember, 
your trailer is kind of like if you for those screenwriters out there, your trailer is kind of your treatment or your pitch deck to a sales agent. It's kind of like they don't have time to watch every movie, so they're going to want to see not. the trailer first. And if they're interested in the trailer, hey, then then they may uh, they may look at the whole movie. Yeah, I'd say in terms of just getting a sales agent, the trailer is one of the most important things, along with the key art. Like if you have really good a really good poster that you've made mm-hmm. and a really good trailer, like double whammy, like you're way ahead of most of the people out there. And yeah, I would say if you spend money on anything, you know, having a good trailer editor, someone who can like make it build the right way and, yeah. get, you know, pull the emotional. It's an art form. Oh, definitely. Making a trailer. Like you'll like, I never get mad. When I go to a movie, like I, I see a trailer, I'm amped, and I go to the movie, and I'm disappointed because I'm like that trail that trailer editor. Man, woo, yeah, good job for trailer. them. They got me here. That's what they want. Yeah, sometimes I like trailers more than movies, just because yeah. it's like ah oh, man, it, it takes you on that like emotional ride, and you get like that little rush. And enough and, times I've been burned by the best parts being in the trailer, yeah, so I'm totally. like, oh my gosh, I got all the best parts in two minutes. Sweet. Yeah. Um, but trailers are important still today, and they. The sales agents will want a trailer from you as well because they need to promote your film mm-hmm. to distributors, you know? So the way it works is like the sales agent isn't the, the distributor. They're, yeah. they're an agent that represents you to sell your project to all the different territories one by one. And so having a really good trailer is just as important for them to get distributors as it is for you to get a sales agent. So it's like one of the main pieces that um, will help your movie get sold to the most territories possible. Because, mm-hmm. like we said, if you have a good trailer, you can get super amped about a movie. And yeah. it's the same, you know, these distributors are, are consumers as well. And if if you have a really awesome trailer, they're going to get just as stoked as, you know, anyone would. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, it's not too hard to put it together. It's not hard to put together a good trailer. It's hard to put it together a great trailer. I really yeah. think it's an art form. I mean, I would say, again, I think most people probably don't know how to cut a really good trailer. Yeah. Like, most. And I think even if you're, like, a really good editor and you've edited a lot of narrative stuff, I think it's pretty likely that you wouldn't edit, like, a very good trailer just because they're two separate things. Yeah. You know, editing a movie is way, way different than editing a trailer. Yeah, because especially if it's your movie and you're editing your own trailer, because you're going to think put in what you think is most important rather than what you think think is mo- should be most like eye catching and grabbing for an odd aud- for a potential audience member, yeah, or a potential distributor or sales agent. Yeah, and if you think about the idea, so I've always thought it would be kind of tough to be a commercial director because you yeah. know, if you're doing like 15 second commercials, like yeah. man, telling a whole story in 15 seconds could be pretty daunting and that's kind of to me the daunting part about making a trailer because you're taking a movie that is an hour and a half two hours long and you're trying to crunch it into a minute and a half or something you yeah know? so it's like oh, how do you pick <laughs> yeah. those parts you know and how do you get it to um flow you know now nowadays commercials are just like 15 seconds and it says for the full length show for the full length commercial please go to it's like yeah. double whammy you yeah and i think it's easy again like I, I really think you probably shouldn't edit your own movie's trailer because you as the director 
you get so attached to stuff and you're like, oh man, I have to like show them all these cool things. <laughs> but really it's like, it takes away from the flow of the trailer and just mm-hmm. the storytelling. And you're just trying to jam in all the stuff, the cool stuff that you did be like, ah, oh, look what I did. But it's it a much it. different form of storytelling to write to make a trailer. Yeah. And so don't think you have to make yours. Um, you know, if you want to give it a go, that's fine. But there's professionals out there for a reason. Yeah, um, and sometimes you can find one that don't necessarily cost an arm and a leg. Totally, so, and it's the same with with the artwork. I think, you know, man, I've seen a lot of bad artwork out there. Even ooh. even at places like AFM, you know, the American mm-hmm. Film Market, where you're walking around and you have all these different movies that are actually being represented mm-hmm. by sales agents, and you just look at it and you're like, my God, <laughs> what Son is this? You know, a, yeah, where when just like a tiny bit more money. Or like effort would have gone so far. Yeah, and and do you think now when you go to AFM and you think it's hard to say? Do they? Do you feel that they think it's good? Do you think they they feel they save some money and it's good enough? Or do you think it's just they don't they don't care enough about it? They don't think it's as important as it should be. I think. What's your it, feeling? It's a lot of different things. It has to do a lot with how they are selling it and what the project is. You know, because what happens mm-hmm. a lot of times if you're making a movie. If you've made a movie and it doesn't have any real bankable aspect to it, whether it's like yeah. a star or like a, a property mm-hmm. that is valuable in any way or like has a fan base, um, it's going to be a hard sell for them already. Yeah, you know, it's, you're already like uh, you're already kind of like at the bottom of the barrel, and um, they are probably thinking of it as like a bundle deal. To be honest, you know, where it's like okay. Yeah, explain it for we the people have, who don't know what a bundle deal is. So what the, what a lot of sales agents will do is they'll tack your movie on to another movie that's like slightly more appealing and say, okay, we'll give – okay, you you distributors, you want this one movie. Yeah, the, the good – I don't want to say the good one, but the more high-profile one. Let's yeah, say. it's like you guys want this one. We'll give it to you, but you have to take these five other movies Yeah. Too. That are like less than appealing. That happens a lot. That happens a lot. And in that case, the key art's not like super crucial because they, you know, they don't really care. They want this one movie. Yeah. And the other ones are kind of like, okay, maybe some of them are good in bonuses, but like they really just do it for that one movie. Yep. Um, and that's kind of a, a sneaky way the, the sales agents will try to get your movie out there, but it doesn't grant you a lot of money, you know? No, but it could be better than nothing. You don't know. Like, you know, it, it, it sucks because a lot of people think their movie is the best. They're the better one. And you just got to realize that it's all business. And these people have been it's doing it for business. a very long time. And they know exactly how to package things to to make it sell. Yep. All right. Um, so what else do we need? Well, I mean, let's see. You Do you want to talk about credit and billing block and like the certified statements with contractual obligations? That yeah. is your bread and butter. You've done that before. Oh, yeah. I've, I've really not had to deal with that too much which i'm so happy so this is an interesting thing that a lot of people don't think about as well but like when you are making real movies mm. <laughs> you know you probably you probably on like no budgets you probably don't do it you probably yep. don't think about it but yep. on larger budget movies or just you know real movies that have like contracts and sag mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. you have uh contractual obligations for each person whether it's like a crew member or a um or talent and in the contracts, it'll say some. It'll say how they're going to be credited. So, 
you've all seen the front credits of, of movies where it's like uh, Brad title starring card. Brad Pitt single yep. title title card uh, George Clooney single title card and then like the next two on a on a shared card yep and then there's like an and and <laughs> uh, you know and and Dame Judy Dench and you you don't think it does that it matters or that it's a it's a, in the contract but it totally is. It's like, in the contract, and if you don't get that <sighs> stuff right, I mean, they, you're in trouble. Yeah, they'll come after you because it's in the contract. They they have every right, and they will easily win. They'll just be like, well, here's a contract. This is what happened. And you'll be like, well, damn it. Yeah, and so normally what you present to a um, a distributor or um, for your deliverables is an actual credit block that you would see on like the key art mm-hmm. in that format, the way it's supposed to be contractually. Yep. Um, and then you would have sort of like this Excel sheet that shows all the players, yep. whether it's like crew members, uh, you know, the director, the yep. producers, the, the actors and all that kind of stuff. And in the Excel sheet, you'll have their name, what they're supposed to be credited as, because sometimes it's different than their, their name. Yep. Um, and then the act, you just copy and paste straight from the contract, the wording. So it says, if it says like, so and so, uh, to be credited as this, um, credit to appear, you know, on the second title card as a single title card on the it front credit. Specific guys, and you know, whatever. So it's like, yeah, and you just it, copy and paste that straight yeah. from the contract, put it in the Excel sheet. You deliver this Excel sheet to the sales agent, and man, happy camp. Do you all? Do you also put in the um, financial? Contract stuff. So if no. there's them, no, that's just you know. That's between you and and them. It's okay. literally just all they care about is the placement being correct. You know, the distributors just need to know where things go. And now, since you know, I, well, I'm sure we're going to forget about it. Isn't there all? Oh, what is it? I'm forgetting the word. I know. I knew it. It's the the um, chain of chain of title. Chain of title. Hmm. Yes. Is that the ownership one? Yes. Yes. Okay. So explain that to them. Okay. So the chain of title is That's another right. super. I told you super guys, Alex is, Alex is the expert on this one for us. Man, it's it's so important. Yep. This is one that can totally screw your movie over. Absolutely. Well, they so, all could. Because there are so many lawyers out there that are willing to yeah, take it. But this one could really, like, and it has many times made your movie undistributable. Yeah, there if that's you go. even a word made it up. Um so basically the the chain of title is a series of documents or a document that shows that you the production company own the right to make the movie. You know, so it could be multiple documents because it could be like people's life rights that then that you've acquired or that the writer has acquired, and then they've written a script, and then you acquire the script. Yep. It could be a comic book that turns into a, a novel, turns into a script, turns into a movie. You know what I mean? Like you have to have that chain that shows that everyone got the rights, and then they were transferred to you. Yeah. So that you have the right to make and distribute the movie. You abs- You yeah. There it is, right there. You have to prove that you have the right to make this movie. Even if it's uh, you know an original screenplay, you have to have the writer sign the chain of of ownership 
to just show that, hey, I'm giving them the, uh, they, they paid me or they didn't pay me or they optioned it or whatever, but whatever the deal was, I'm giving them the right to make this movie. Yes. And even if you are the writer director, you should sign the, the <laughs> document that says that you are transferring the rights to the production company. Yeah. Because remember, when you're shooting, you, this will go into the business side of it. Usually what happens is when you make a movie, you make an LLC for that, that, that film. And that LLC, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, will own the rights to that movie. And then, so, it, even if you, it, you wrote it, the entity that's making the movie is not you. Even if you're the director, even if you raise the money, you're, you're supposed to make an LLC so it's a company. The, the, the film becomes a company. So say your film is Alex and Trevor talk about stupid stuff on their podcast. What you usually... What making usually movie right now. Yeah, exactly. Woo, aha, start filming. <laughs> um, now... You know, high profile movies tend not to go so on the nose with the production. Like, some of them do, though. Some of them do, yeah. but if they want to hide it or something like that. But yeah. for the most part, to make it easy, then you go, you know, to whatever state you're in or whatever state you're making it in and make Trevor and Alex make a, a movie about, you know, Trevor and Alex talking about stupid stuff on a podcast, LLC. And that is the one that owns, that gets the money in. That is the one that. You're uh, distributing shares of to investors. Yep, that's the one that owns the rights to the movie because you want to protect yourself. If anything goes wrong, you don't want them to be able to come after you. They want you want them to be able to go after the company that is making the movie, and this is usually the company that gets the um, completion insurance. So, that being said, if you wrote the movie and and your company that you made to make the movie doesn't own it, there could be legal problems, especially if you have investors. Yes, and. I mean, you can probably Google it, but there's plenty of movies where this has happened, where mm. there there was some type of chain of title issue, didn't get the writer to sign over the rights to the film, and then the movie cannot be made because the writer refuses to sign it over. There was a there was a famous um, uh, for all those fans of Monty Python out there, Terry Gilliam, um, who's directed such brilliant movies such as Brazil. Twelve monkeys. Um, Twelve monkeys. I mean, I could go on and on about Terry Gilliam. I love him. He's phenomenal. He's great. Um, he has long tried to make a movie that he wrote called "The Man Who Killed Don Quixote," and it's been problem after problem after problem. Well, he finally got it made, and a person, a producer, sued him and said, "Well, I own the rights to the movie." And then Terry Gilliam came back and said, no, you own the rights if you were able to raise money. You never raised a cent, so I still own the rights to the movie. Yeah. And it was legal back and forth. Legal, legal battle ensues. They luckily had documents. It was proven that Terry Gilliam actually owns it because the guy broke his contract by not raising money. Just protect yourselves. Get paperwork for everything. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And while we're on the subject, you're going to need all of the documents from the talent, the the releases and stuff like that. You need to give that over so that the distributors know that you again have the right to show this movie with this person's likeness in it because mm -hmm. if you again there's been instances where movies haven't gotten the the talent to sign contracts talent gets bigger becomes you know more appealing a celebrity if you will and um the person goes hey this is great my movie is now worth a lot more but then they don't have the right documentation to show that the actor has given them permission 
to use their likeness. And so, you know, you're out of luck. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give another story. I'm so full of stories tonight. It's full, full of stories. Uh, Back to the Future 2. Crispin Glover, who played Marty McFly's dad, didn't oh, want to yes. do it. Said no. He's kind of a kooky guy. Didn't want to, you know, do another Back to the Future. So he said no. And the director and producers use his image anyway. Because if you haven't seen Back to the Future 2, it uses a lot of the footage from the first one. And so he sued and said, you can't do that. I didn't agree to be in the movie, so you can't use my likeness. And he won. And that kind of changed everything. Uh, you know, you can't just use a director's fa- uh, an actor's face because you want to. Even though it's old footage, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, so again, he didn't sign a contract yeah. saying that uh, he would appear in, he Back, would to appear in Back to the Future 2. He only signed the contract saying he would appear in Back to the Future 1. Yes. So Very just important. protect yourself. Protect Very yourself. important. So, um, let's see. Some more problems people run into. Uh, I'm going to go into something I know, and that is audio problems. Ooh, audio. Audio is big. Audio is huge. People invest a lot of money to make the latest, greatest audio in theaters. You have, you know, you had stereo, then you had 5.1, then you had THX, and now you have Dolby Atomos. Yeah. Which or is Atmos or whatever it is. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I get it confused with the uh, Atomus. monitor company. Atmos. Yeah, maybe it's Atmos. Um, you know, and so you got to make sure you have a good final mix with good foley, good sound effects, good levels, good mixing. So you know your sound. You know, somebody walking through the door isn't louder than somebody in the back kitchen in another room. You got to be able to you know mix your audio well. And as we said, this is where an audio professional comes in handy. Um, for the daughter, the director writer ran into this problem where they were like, "Oh, well, we need these this audio mixed this way," and he's like, "Uh, I didn't know that." Yeah, and he well, this is a a horror story, if you will. He actually hired someone, an audio person, to mix the do the sound design and mix and everything. Mm-hmm. But that audio person that he hired didn't do it up to the right specifications for a film to be distributed, and so. Uh, the director found himself having to go back in and fix his mistakes, which there were plenty of. Because one thing I think a lot of people don't realize is you have to provide split audio tracks. So you need dialogue yep. tracks, you need music and sound effects tracks, and um, the music and effects. And yeah, it needs to like cover the whole. Project there can there can never be dead space in the audio where there is no audio. Yeah, it has, even if it's even if it's room tone, you have to have it filled with room tone. Exactly, because you guys don't think about this, but you go to a sales agent and they sell your movie to Japan. There's got to be a way for them to take out the spoken English in your film if you're making a film in English without removing all the sound effects and put in Japanese dubbing if they're going to. Exactly right. So if you make the mistake of using a lot of production audio yep. where you're recording on set and all of a sudden you hear these noises of like keys jingling or glasses being set down or like footsteps or whatever, all that production audio is going to be taken out when they dub over it in, in Japanese because that's the dialogue track. That's not the music and effects track. So you need to recreate those uh, sound effects, the keys jingling and the the doors closing and all that kind of stuff, all that needs to be on the effects track, isolated from the dialogue. So when they take out the dialogue and put in their their dubbing, 
you're not removing any of the the necessary sound effects. Or if you want to use uh, production audio, put it on the put it on the effects track. Cut it out, add it to the effects track, and that's only if nobody's talking. Right. So you know, a lot of times if there's no no dialogue, you can use the uh, effects that are caught uh, are caught wild. Um, and just throw it on a different the the effects track because they will remove that. It's one click for them, so they don't even think about it because they assume that you did it right. They will just do one click, remove the English, put in the dub track, and not even think about it. Yeah, but it won't even get that far, really. That's because true. What's going to happen is you're going to be subjected to, to a huge QC process where everyone's going to scrutinize everything in your film, including the audio and the color, That's and make true. sure that it's up to broadcast standards. And then um, they're going to come back to you and say, "Hey." This isn't right. You'll get the QC, the QC list of all the things wrong, and then you're going to have to go correct everything before your movie can ever be shown, ever. So, um, you know, as you're doing low, uh, low to no budget filmmaking, you're going to do a lot of this on your own, and just be prepared. You're probably going to get a lot of fails and you have to come back and do it. And the more you fail and the more frustrating it is for a sales agent, the less likely they are to continue on with you. Yes. Yep. But the more you learn. The more you learn. The more, the more you, you learn. learn. <laughs> um, okay. On, this, on a similar subject, yeah. there's a quirky little thing that a lot of people don't know called textless versions mm. of the movies. Explain. Because what people do is they'll, they'll export their movie with all the text baked on, including the front credits, mm-hmm. including a title. Including any like, um, any time they say it says like New Jersey 1995 or yep. anything like that, you know, all these like text uh, that appear on screen. Yep. You need to export a version without all of that because, again, in a different language, they're going to put that in their own language. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff is going to be on your cue sheet that you're going to give them. Um, so they'll be able to, you know, know exactly when to put it up. Yeah. In the right spot. Trust uh, trust us guys. Don't worry. They will actually know what to do. They're yeah, not gonna they're not gonna screw over your film. No. And you you have all this other stuff that you need to provide, like yeah. a cue sheet. Uh, and uh that will have has like the time code, has all the dialogue mm-hmm. for the purposes of dubbing and subtitling, but as well as adding all this text and graphics and anything else that needs to be done. Yep. Um so yeah, you, you cannot add in anything that's in English or the the language that is native to the movie, dialogue and text needs to be separated out because it needs to be changed for international distribution. Yep. That's and that's simple. also just remember that. That's also the same for the trailer. Yep. You need textless trailer. And also you need all the audio separated as well for the trailer. Yep. You need that for the artwork. You need to have layered artwork with any text on it. Separate it out so they can adjust it. So keep that in mind. Like you're, you want your movie to be shown everywhere, you know, as many places as possible. So anytime you're making something, just think to yourself: Will they what be able Jesus to? Do? Yeah, what would Jesus oh, do? Yeah, okay, would, would Jesus be able to make a poster mm, with probably. this file that I'm giving them? Actually, you know what? That depending is how bad in, the file is, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Not even Jesus can create those miracles. Exactly. Will um, Will someone be able to take this file that I'm giving them and make it usable in their native language? Make it as easy as possible to to just 
hand it off to the sales agent or the distributor, and they just can go with it. Because the more you piss them off, the worse it hurts you in the future. You may not get the, they may not want to work with you again, um, or they just may drop you all together. Um, yeah. Just make it easier on yourself and them, and just you know make sure you have everything you need. Yeah. Speaking of everything you need, there's also tons of formats out there. Yes. Now, for those who have done digital, you know, there's MP4, MOV, uh, you know, ProRes, uh, DNxHD. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on. And that's just digital. That's WMV. Not, that's not the... That's uh, just digital. The physical tapes. Yeah. Tapes, people, tapes. They still use tapes in a lot of countries, people. Yes. They use... Uh they use Betacam tapes. Oh, yeah. They use HD cam tapes. Yep. And you need both. Well, so I don't know how much of it you need anymore, to be honest, because I think a lot of a lot of a lot of the current running now they may not be the most you know technologically advanced, but I think a lot of the current running theaters are digital and can get a hard drive. Sure, but we're also talking about broadcast. Oh, here. yep. If you if you're gonna okay, so if you're gonna go. On TV, if they said you made a deal for TV in Germany, yeah, will will you have the right stuff? Because you will, you will probably need to deliver a PAL beta cam oh, tape. Oh yeah, just keep with, saying all the horrible things they have to convert it to with a pan and scan. Yep, for that bad boy. Yep, because you need you need the uh, you need both aspect ratios. You need the screw it. Just go letterbox sixteen by nine aspect ratio. You need the four by three with the pan and scan Ugh. in PAL, Ugh. and you'll also need that in NTSC. Every time I say but pa- then, I hear PAL, I just go, I just cringe. Yeah, but then you'll also need an HD cam SR tape, which will allow you to have the HD version with a five point one mix on it. Yeah, on uh, guys, all, on it, all the separated tracks, it's ridiculous. And all that stuff, so obviously you, if you're new to this, you're probably like, how the heck am I going to do that, right? But you take it to a lab and you pay for it. That's how you do it. it and, I mean, if and, it's going to get you money from being distributed, you just pay for it. Yes, and one thing to note is that if you're like clean out of money, right, you don't have it, you can you can make a deal with the, the sales agent to front you the money but they're going to take it out of your, you know, the earnings for the movie. It's going to be added so to what they recoup before you yeah. ever make any money. It's like the whole studio, like, we need to bake back what we spent on the movie before anybody sees profit. Um, that's what they're going to say. They're going to say, we need to recoup the, you know, $30,000 we spent on finishing and mixing and all this before we even take away our 5%. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. I mean, it is possible... We we did that a lot for the indie filmmakers back in the day. We would put it up at our lab, and then um, we'd be the one dealing with that. But um, the other thing to note is that you can provide um, like a hard drive with, let's just say, like a, the the ProRes HQ, you know, files mm-hmm. or whatever on the hard drive, and yep. like the split stems for the audio and all that kind of stuff um, to a lab. And they can produce them as needed. So it's like you don't need... On demand almost. You don't need to do them all ahead of time. They can do them like when you get that Germany TV deal and they need a PAL 4x3 pan and scan. It's like, okay, yeah. that's when we're going to make it because we don't need to make it before then. And they'll charge you then. Uh, and, and so like we said, a lot of this goes into 
you know, planning and pre-production and post-production uh, and, and production, you might want to put some money aside in your budget for all the finishing, for the mixing, for the, the formats from the labs, for the, um, you know, the certified statements with the contractual obligations for a lawyer to write all those up. Um, there's a, when the movie's wrapped, there's a lot more money that still needs to be spent. Yeah, and for the DCP creation, if you're yeah going, DCP creation, if you want to do that, if you're going to theaters and stuff like that, um, there's a really cool format out here that's for digital more, um, and I'll talk about it in the what's cool because I don't think I've talked about it yet. It um, is IMF, and what that is uh, that stands for inoperable mastering format, and it's a cool new thing that they're doing for digital. Um, I'll get to it in the what's cool, but that's something that's kind of new for the formats because you know when you see. Things on TV, not so much Netflix, uh, but if you're on like, you know, basic cable or ABC, the movie of the week, whatever, and it says this has been formatted to fit your screen and edited for content. IMF comes in to play here in a, in a way that's really cool and could change a lot of uh, digital files in the industry. But, you know, that's another thing to think about when it comes to formats. Um, and then uh, Alex had mentioned DCP. So DCP is Alex... Do you remember it? Digital Cinema Package. That nailed it. Got it. You're so yep. smart. Uh, I used to think it was Digital Cinema Print, which it actually is as well. That's it's, old school. It's both. I don't know why, but it is. <laughs> uh, but I think the popular... <laughs> the, the joys of filmmaking is like, it's both. <laughs> yeah, it is. But the popular nomenclature is Digital Cinema Package because you're packaging the film together in mm-hmm. this format for theatrical release. You know, back in the day you had to make your 35 millimeter print and yep. you may still need to, depending on what your deal is, because a lot of theaters still show 35. If you're at the new, new Beverly, if you're at the new Beverly, or whatever. Um, but yeah, the DCP is kind of like the new version of a, a movie print that gets sent to, um, theaters and it's kind of like encrypted or whatever so you can't like pull it off and pirate the movie if someone like got a hold of the hard drive this or whatever is, yeah this is basically your new your new i'm delivering your hard drive in dcp so that it's secure exactly and it can be played uh, what it is it's a almost it's a universal format so it can be played in most most theaters if you did your dcp correct right and so it's kind of like a universal format so that everyone doesn't have to kind of figure out if they're if their projector could play WMV or yeah, exactly. something like that. Yeah, totally. That's exactly right. Because, I mean, I don't know if any of you have tried to open a video file on your computer and have it not work. Stupid but that Max. happens. I mean, it's like, oh, man, why, are they, why did they give this to me in Flash? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, no. Because Flash is a universal language. <laughs> they avoid that problem totally by... By uh, DCP. With the DCP. Um. I don't know. Is there what else? You know, I'm just looking through our list of things, and I realized that chain of titles down there, and I didn't even realize that. There it is. Didn't even realize that. That's my bad. But I jumped think, the gun on that. Yeah. Meh. I mean, that's kind of like the main ones that I that I saw people get wrong a lot. Yeah. So I mean, what was? How often would you? Uh, how often would something like this missing? You know. Some really good artwork, or yeah. missing, uh, uh, you know, textless version, yep. um, stuff like that would would turn you off and say, you know what, I don't even want to deal with these guys. It's too much of a headache. Or was it like, doesn't matter if it's a good movie, we'll work, up, we'll walk them through it. Well, we had to do it because a lot of times the deal was made without having these things, you know, okay. in hand. 
So then it was like kind of an after the fact task of being like, okay, well, you didn't deliver all the stuff that you're supposed to. And they're like, oh, well, I'm a, I'm on, I'm in Ireland shooting the next movie. And it's like, okay, well, track these things down. Like get someone to figure this out because we can't sell your movie until you have these things. So, How, so there'd be a surprise. You would, you would expect them to have it all. Yes. And okay, so it wasn't like they came. It was to the a board. surprise the first couple times, they did it, <laughs> and then you and realize then it, it was expected. always like that. I would say I wonder how often it is where they just go to a, you know, a, a sales agent or a distributor, a sales agent, and says, you know, I'm, I, I don't know everything I need, so you just guys just take care of it and take my money away. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can't do that with. I mean. Like the the contracts and stuff and the yeah but, you gotta have all that but like yeah they would every once in a while we would have to be the ones like crawling through their contracts to pull the credit billing block statements and stuff like that um, but you know for the most part it's just like if you want to have a seamless process and just impress the hell out of your sales agent <laughs> and get your money faster because it's and get you money gets out faster fa- yeah. and build a like a solid relationship with this person because then they'll want to work with you again like have all this stuff ready and you know impress the pants off of them it's and, basically what you should do yeah but does everyone do that no because they're creatives and they're like fuck you i don't need to do that i know you guys are the business guys you guys are the, you guys are the suits you yeah. take care of it yep yeah i mean it's it's not that it's shocking anymore, but it's 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 frustrating for me to g- have gone through film school and there's just so much they don't tell you. Oh my god! I mean, they like, especially they don't when it comes to the business side, like really they, anything yeah. about distribution. Distribution, I think, is a mystery even to the people like the professors at film school. Yeah, and and. It's almost like they just kind of shield you from the business aspect of it all to try and give you the, like, the, uh, I don't want to say appearance, but give you this wonderful fantasy that it's all about the creative side. The optimistic point of view. Yeah, there you go. And it, totally. I mean, I don't know if all film schools are that way. Ours definitely was. I always thought that, you know, I I knew it was too when when it was happening because the way they would describe things, it's like, okay, well, you want to get this movie movie made? We're going to practice packaging movies like okay you're gonna decide who's gonna be in this movie and yeah it's like okay i'm gonna put ryan reynolds and like yep i remember that and uh you know amy adams adams <laughs> or whoever i don't know you know it's like we're gonna put all these people in it we're gonna get this director we're gonna get this cinematographer we're gonna get this producer and i'm gonna make this pitch packet and it's gonna be awesome and it's like yeah of course that's awesome but you gotta get those people and that's like a whole different process they don't even tell, tell you about and it's the same with distribution when it's like okay you got this finished movie now you gotta get distribution the end but that's like <laughs> the end you, the end that's it you did but good like you don't realize that you should actually be thinking about distribution way before the end yeah of the movie you know what i mean it's i like, wonder if people went through the race dark producing program at usc if they were taught this side too, or if it was more, I'm like, sure they were because that. I mean, that's like that's the duty of a producer, but you don't have that. You don't always have that luxury when you're a you know a no budget filmmaker, right? And it's and I, and I think for us the undergraduate program was kind of a, a big kind of catch all because as an undergraduate you also had to take the general education requirements and stuff like that, so you weren't just taking film classes. And I think having the specialized program for producing specifically, obviously, they're going to have way more. Well, yeah, info. yeah, and it's almost like you know, uh, it's funny 
that a lot of people that you'll see come out of USC that are like, oh my gosh, these you know, guys are making good. Just keep in mind, these guys came from the Masters program. Like Ryan Coogler, who did Black Panther and all that, they, he went through the Masters program, where yeah. all, all you're focused on is filmmaking. So, you know, they get a little bit different... Maybe we should do the master's program. Maybe we should. You know, nothing, nothing like going back to school now and delaying, delaying starting our careers even more. I know. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, so we should have done the master's program a long time ago. We should have done the master's. We should go back <laughs> in time and do the master's program. But these are a lot of things that they don't tell you. I mean, even if you're when you're first starting out, um, is that there's all these other things you have to do once once you scream out, "That's a wrap." Yeah, I mean. Totally. And even before then, I think that's kind of the bigger, the bigger shock for most people is that they don't realize they should have been doing stuff the whole time. Yeah. And that I think if you're, if you have, if you go into your movie, knowing these things, you're going to be at the end, like so much happier because you're not going to be scrambling. You're not going to be yep. like trying to scrape together more money. You're not going to be, you know, freaking out because you have this finished product that you, well, a product you feel is finished, but it really isn't because you have all these other yeah. things you have to do that you don't know how to do. Yep. Now, you know, John, when we did the the daughter, he was able to power through it and all that, but it took time. It took it time. It took way more time. Also, I'm sure it, it gave him quite a bit of stress. Yeah. I can only imagine how much stress. And I think, um, <coughs> you know, just try to avoid it. That's all. The end. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there you go. Avoid all the horrible things you could do. Yeah, the, exactly, uh, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean that that should do it. I mean, there's it, there, it, there are other deliverables. I think maybe what we should do is is put a deliverables list as like a, a free download or something. Hey, how will we do that? Yeah, so go to the show notes of this episode and you can download uh, a deliverables list, kind of just a standard one. And just get an idea of what they are. You can always Google for specifics. But and each a good thing to know is that each uh, distributor <laughs> will have their own list. They're not yeah. all the same. Yeah. And a theatrical list is way different than, or not way different, but different than, uh, you know, a video list. Yeah. And um, a VOD list is going to be different as well. Yep. So know that there's differences. Take it with a grain of salt. It's just a guide. It's not set in stone. It's not a definitive list. Yeah, but it's a it's a good start. And it's a good start, especially if there's a lot of things that we said on here that you don't remember or are like completely foreign to you, like you know the chain of title or the certified statement with contractual obligations or the credit billing block, Texas version. Yep, all that stuff. <coughs> I don't know if we'll put a description of each one in it, but. Uh, it'll be written down so you can just do a nice little Google search on what's yeah, the Texas version of uh, of a film. Exactly. And if you have any questions, you can leave it in the comments on the show notes and we'll answer them for you. Yeah. So uh, back to what's cool. Not back to, like we've been doing it before. What's cool? We should have a nice little like what's cool thing. Uh, no, we don't. There we go. Record that. Loop it. Done. Nailed it. All right, so I talked earlier about IMF, and IMF is this new technology for digital uh, film. I'm going to cough again. Why? I, <laughs> I think it stands for um, inner male fungus. You're so smart. It is. Yeah. It's inner male fungus. Um, what it is, it's usually below the feet. It's next to athlete's foot. They fight to the death. Yeah. And usually uh, athlete's, foot, uh, athlete's, athlete's foot wins. That's why you don't hear a lot about IMF. Yeah, it's a it's a lesser known foot 
yeah. disease. And by intermail, we mean that it just jumps from man to man um, without any, you know, rhyme or reason. Yeah. So, you, know, you don't even have to be in the same state and it can somehow just jump to a different man. Man, I can see why people don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so what it really means is inoperable mastering format. And what it does is it's kind of a cue sheet for your film. So what it does is it uses a master version, and then it includes instructions on different versions without you having to go in there and cut it. So say you want to cut out from 3 minutes and 52 seconds to 5 minutes and 12 seconds. Instead of actually going there and physically cutting out, you add it to the IMF, and it will know as it's reading the IMF that it jumps from here with transitions. You can put transitions in from here to here without you having to recut it. So it's almost like turning editing into almost like coding. Yeah, exactly. Um, one one person, um, the you know SMTPE, the official like uh, format. I don't know the broadcast standard. I guess they're a committee or something. Yeah. <laughs> they said it's kind of like they, the analogy they use is it's like baking a cake. The versions share most of the same basic ingredient ingredients, which is your master, but a, but between each cake, there's some variations, and there's some variations to the recipe that make it a different cake, but it's still the base cake. Right. And so, what it is is it's you could have almost done that same analogy, yeah, but with with a movie. Tell me more. You know, uh huh. Like 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 you have a movie, mm-hmm. and. All the ingredients of the movie are the different scenes. Okay. But um, if you want to rearrange the ingredients or take out ingredients, you'll make a different movie. That's true. But I don't know if you have to take... Maybe maybe not take out the ingredients, which are the scenes, but rearrange them in terms yeah. of like... Maybe sometimes you just do a little less vanilla. Or as some people say, edit them. All I'm saying is the, the cake analogy is very similar to a movie analogy. Fine. I'll tell the uh, broadcast. Uh, no. yeah, tell those fools that we ain't that dumb. Was this like a puppet show for children that, that you, you saw them? Can you imagine a puppet on? show about IMF? They'd be like, what is this? This is the dumbest puppet show ever. So yeah, so that's a, kind of the new technology that's coming out so that you can have different versions without having to go back and edit and export out all those versions. Um, I don't know if it gets into format difference. I, I doubt it. But it is more of an editing tool in the fact that you do not have to re-edit it every time for different delivery. You can just add this file in that will kind of be read and make the edits for you in, in real time. Very cool. Yep. So really, it's kind of like a space saver, right? Because you have like the master file. Yep. And then you can deliver these like really kind of small files yep. that have the the notes to where to do the cuts and it so you will don't have create. to have 20 different exports that are yeah. all like you know that's pretty cool 60 gigabytes so for example like a use case of this could potentially be like if you had a um a 90 second trailer and a 30 second trailer both cut from the same trailer yeah you could have them done with the imf yeah, or it could be like you have your movie that is rated R, but they want to show it on basic cable, um, and you want to cut out all the sexy, sexy time scenes. You yeah. just kind of go in there and just take those scenes out through quote-unquote coding, yeah. and there's there's your new movie, and you just deliver it to them as an IMF, and you don't have to re-export it. Yeah, so, nice. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan. I want to look more into it, but that is promising, That's to pretty say cool. the least. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What do you got? 
I got uh, the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K oh, first footage came really? out. Really? A lot of people were really stoked about this camera because it's, you know, Blackmagic. They make kind of inexpensive, affordable, no budget type stuff. Yep. Uh, and this is their Pocket Cinema Camera, so it's nice and small. Uh, it's not quite as small as their first Pocket uh, Cinema Camera, but, um, yeah. you know, it's kind of the size of a DSLR. Shoots mm-hmm. 4K, does yep. the whole the whole shebang, and they finally released uh, some footage. And what were we talking about earlier, Alex? What annoyed you with the footage? Man, I get really annoyed with these <laughs> companies. As you would say, does it bake your beans? It bakes my bakes beans. Bakes the beans, guys. This is big. It really bakes my beans when camera companies put out initial footage, and it's just all straight like nature footage. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. That's important, and there should be some of that because you want to see. You know, how it works with all the details of, like, being in the forest and, you know, how it moves and all that kind of stuff. But, like, you also want to see skin tone, right? That's, like, super important, I think. Mm-hmm. You want to see how skin tone plays in different lighting scenarios and how, um, you know, the dynamic range of, like, what might be, like, a real movie scene or, like, a... Documentaries are real. Nature, de- nature documentaries, documentaries yeah, are like real. it's, like, so specific. Like, I know. There's no... Rhyme or reason to it. It's like, okay, here's like a dolly shot in a green jungle, and then here's like a, a waterfall, and then a beach. And it's like, okay, that's all nice. <laughs> and, and it's kind of misleading because nature has such beautiful colors. It's like, well, yeah, it's going to, you're of course going to find the best nature shots at pop. I know. I feel like they should do a little bit more in depth first thing. It doesn't have to be crazy, but just like, I also want to see what the the raw footage looks like. You know, I want to I would see love what it, for them, like the ungraded footage. I would love the first footage for these cameras to be like a short, like something they shot. Like get a filmmaker I to know, come in here yeah. and make and shoot something and show the raw, and then show the color version and show them what they can do. I think that would be really cool. I mean, that would be sweet. Sign me up for that. Um, what else we got? Okay, so uh, you know what? It's kind of like one of those things where you don't really hear anything about it, and then they do something awesome, and they're all you can talk about. VRV Stream is like a streaming service. Uh huh. Never heard of it. Have you? Uh, Verve Stream, you mean? Yeah. No, I don't know. I've never heard of it. <laughs> exactly. So, of course, no one's ever heard of it. You've got Netflix, you've got Hulu, you've got HBO Go, you've got all the big ones. But what they did is they got all, I don't know if this is going to excite you, excite me, excites me, all the new, all the old school Nick classic cartoons. On their service. So for $6 a month, you can stream Doug, Rocco's Modern Life. I mean, that's not even cartoons. Keenan and Cal, Clarissa Explains It All. Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh my God, the yep. monkey. So hard for the them. Wa- <laughs> <laughs> Why was it so hard? It's three pieces. The monkey puzzle. Are You Afraid of the Dark? The Wild Thornberries. Salute Your Shorts. We were just talking about this on uh-huh. the trip to Vegas. Tell so- me it's got Angry Beavers. Hit me with Angry Beavers. Uh, I don't know if they consider that classic or not. I don't know. Let me see. Let's see. I don't know. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's it's for $6. Not bad. Not bad. Um, but uh, I'm going to look it up right now because if they have Angry Beavers. I Game mean, on. Yeah, I'll, I might actually get Big it. Big Butox. Um <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's it's coming out six dollars a month. Um, I mean, it's I'm, I'm excited. I love Rocco's Modern Life. I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah. Um, 
So it's called Nick's Splat. It, it does have Angry Beavers. Oh, the one season of Angry Beavers. Hey, dude, it has Hey, dude. We were talking about that on the way too. Oh man, uh, nice cat dog. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, salute your shorts. All that. The whole thing. The new Double Dare 2000. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, Guts. Do you remember Guts? What would you do? What yeah. What would you do? All that good stuff. Oh, my God. Guts was great. Oh, man. I remember that. What was the other show we were talking Wienerville. That's Wienerville. We were, talking we were talking about that one, too. I don't think that one's on there. Was that yeah. Nick? I thought so. Maybe not. Uh, man. I Man. Welcome to Wienerville. I, I miss that show. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was on Nick. Yeah, it was on Nick. Um, but yeah, so that's coming out. It's going to be six dollars a month. Um, and uh, how do you get that VRV stream? What is that? It's it's like on the Roku. It's its own app, maybe. I would I would I would imagine so. Most of it's on. Um, yeah, most of these streaming channels are on uh, the Roku app or you know online. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look like VRV really has much of anything else other than like Please a lot of anime. Please tell me it's VRV dot stream. Is it? Dot co. Oh, uh, what? A lot, of, a lot of anime, a lot of uh, international stuff. It has Channel Zero. I don't know what that is. You don't know Channel Zero? No. Channel Zero, I believe, is the... Um, isn't Channel Zero the one that uh, is taken from uh, Creepypasta? Wow. I'd never heard of that, but that's interesting. I think Channel Zero is. Um Oh yeah, they have fun Funimation. Yeah, Geek and Sundry. Yeah, it's uh, the it, Nerdist. Channel Zero. Rooster Teeth. Oh yeah, Shudder. It's like it's geeky. It's geeky. Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll is the is the parent uh, the parent company of Crunchyroll owns VRV. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, Channel Zero is uh, stories. It's kind of like Black Mirror, but it's based off of creepypasta stories. Interesting. Oh uh, yeah, so uh, they just added Nick. Nick Classic, so uh, I'm I'm intrigued. All right, I'll, All right. I'll check right. it out. I'll check All it out. Right. What else you got? What else you got? I just wanted to I wanted to shout out another blog, Stephen Fellows. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a really cool blog. I hope I, he's British. If you put that accent on him, you know I don't know for sure. Actually, oh god, <laughs> I'd say yes. Actually, yes, I do know for okay. sure. Okay, okay, but um, <laughs> moving on. I've used his website a lot when researching things for like pitch decks. And business plans and stuff like that, because what his website is, stephenfellows.com, it's like he he's like a statistician for films he, mm. or like a, a research analyst, some type of like data analyst. I don't know. But like he takes all sorts of data. He'll like give himself tasks where he'll be like, OK, I wonder how many movies um, star women under... 40 yeah or whatever and he'll do like a whole report based on that okay um and he has just like all sorts of different stuff um you can look on his blog and then one thing i found today which is very interesting is something he calls the horror report big fan of this this sounds awesome it's a 200 page report about all the different facets different areas of like horror and film from like 1911 to 2017, and it shows the trends. It shows um, the budgets, the crews, and the themes, and like what's popular, what wasn't popular in every different aspect. And it's 200 pages long, and he's selling it on his website for uh, minimum 
it's like pay what you want, minimum of one pound. That's awesome. I love that stuff. Pretty cool. And for those who, who haven't followed closely, me and Alex are big horror fans, uh, love horror movies, um, and want to make horror movies, among other things. And so it's kind of encouraging to see that we can, you know, go off of someone else's hard hard work to figure out what works and what's selling in uh, horror films. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. It's uh, stephenfollows.com. Exactly. Um, so check that check out. Check that out. That's and pretty cool. Just, like, spend... It can be intense because it is a lot of like graphs and data and stuff like that. It's not like but, written out like a blog per se. But once again, if you're if you're serious about getting your movie distributed, you got to make sure you're making something that people want to see, and that's something you have to sit down and, and you know take a weekend and look at this kind of stuff and say, hey, this is the trend. This is what people like. If I make a movie in this genre, but with my own voice, as they say, it has a better chance of selling. Yep. So there's you know take the time, take the time with everything. And do the research. He, Stephen follows. Obviously, already did it. So just go to his site. Check it and, out and take take a gander at that. Pretty cool. Yeah. And then uh, finally, they did some side by side comparisons of the footage from an A seven three. Yes, Sony. Sony A seven three. Sorry. And a Galaxy Note nine. Samsung. Yeah. Samsung. Samsung. Um, and surprisingly, Note nine. Where are you coming it's from? It's like killing it, right? It's like it's beautiful compared. I mean, the A seven, the A seven three looks good. It does, and they look very similar. They look very similar, but to consider that this is a a phone, a phone with a tiny, crappy plastic, you know, lens, little lens and, and like a bad a baby you know, sensor, a baby sensor. But it's coming out. It's got nice really, dynamic yeah, range. Yeah, really good dynamic range. Great colors. Yeah, low light capabilities. Not bad. I mean. Guys, we have talked on this podcast. We did a whole podcast episode about shooting on a mobile phone. Yeah. And this is getting crazy now because they're coming out hardcore. Like, you know, there's only so much you could put in other aspects of the phone, you know, fingerprint scanner, face face 3D, whatever, that kind of stuff, that they're going to have to really start hammering home cameras because nobody carries, you know, digital cameras anymore. They just carry their phone. So companies are really pushing, like, our, our phone's better, our phone's better. But now that you could beat or at least be comparable to an Something like a Sony A7 III. Yeah. Holy damn. Pretty cool. And I wonder how the red hydrogen one is going to damn, If that influence, ever comes out. If it ever comes out, how it's going to influence the rest of the phones. Yeah. Because they have that cool thing where it has like little attachable modules that can make it an even better camera, which I think, you know, if if it really kind of hits an audience i feel like other manufacturers would want to jump on that yeah it's almost it's almost getting to the point where it's like man look how great of shots my camera can my phone can make to man listen how clear the calls on my camera can make <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> like it's like the camera the phone is an afterthought like i don't i don't even call, make many calls anymore yeah exactly and i don't think they've really like Boosted up that technology no. ever, you know. Five G is going to come out, and that has nothing to do with voice. It's all about data and like yeah. streaming. And so it's soon going to be like, man, my camera makes some pretty solid calls. Yeah, and and uh, I got unlimited calls on my camera. <laughs> pretty nice. <laughs> Ooh, what plan do you have? Oh, the iPhone plan. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. um, so I don't know anything else cool. 
I think that's about it. Okay, so that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us yet again, unless this is your first time. Thanks for stopping by and giving a gander of what we do here, as crazy as it may seem. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode 20. Remember, we are going to put up a little distro uh, distribution check sheet so that you can uh, check sheet. Checklist? Checklist. Man, that, that head injury is just Man, going it's, it's through. It's going strong. It's, my brain fluid's leaking. Uh, we're going to put up a, a, a checklist of the just kind of the basics you need for distribution so that you can make sure you start doing a little research and start thinking of it ahead of time. And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes Ooh, and subscribe yeah. to our podcast. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. We haven't gotten any more five-star ratings in a while. I know. It's been Come a while. On, guys. We're stuck at ten and Come three on. reviews. Come on, We guys. would really appreciate one, one review being Zeph we brought on our podcast. So come on, guys. Yeah, come on. If we need to bring you on our podcast just to get some reviews, we'll do it. Yeah. Maybe not. But um, also, if you have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the comments section, and we will try to answer them to the best of our knowledge. And like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, at Cinema Summit, and don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yeah. We put video stuff up, not just we audio. Do. Yeah. Oh, and... Oh, 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 oh. Check out our blog, cinemasummit.com. Check it out, guys, and we'll talk to you next time. Later. Peace.